0: Telling Stories from the EGA Clubhouse.
1: Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to EGA's podcast, Telling Stories from the Clubhouse. It's an honor to present this. It's actually the first EGA podcast from the Access Services Committee, of which I am a part of. My name is Shaq, Shaq Youssef. I am the Global Audio Description Manager for IUNO, as well as an audio description teacher. At the universities of ucl and leeds based in the uk today we're speaking to a number of great guests who i'm looking forward to getting to know a little bit more and having a discussion about accessibility around the world and particularly in their territories as well so uh just a little bit about myself in my role as the global ad manager for iuno i used to write and voice ad but i'm far too lazy for that now i much rather uh, delegate work to loads of freelancers, very skilled writers and voiceovers. Um, I manage projects from beginning to end based on timelines and costs of freelancers and um, all that admin kind of stuff, which I actually quite enjoy. And I love working with uh, good people as well. And then in my university roles, I teach an AD module, 10 weeks at UCL and four weeks at Leeds um, in courses which I design myself. So that's a little bit about me. Let's go to our guests. Here we've got Rafael Parlatore. He is the Director of Audiovisual Accessibility from Grupo Steno, Brazil. We've got Frank Lohmann. He's the Artistic Director, Editor, and Project Manager of Adrenaline UK. And we've got Dr. Joel Snyder, PhD, President of Audio Description Associates, LLC, and Founder and Senior Consultant of the Audio Description Project, for the American Council of the Blind. Just um, a little bit more about each of you, just in the way that I just did. Why don't we go around and a few seconds, a little bit more detail about what you do, particularly at your companies. We'll start with uh, Dr. Joel.
2: Oh, thank you, Shaq. Thank you. It's great to be with you again. I've known Shaq for a little bit, and it's great to be part of this program. Uh, I've been working with uh, audio description since its beginnings as a formal ongoing service it was developed first in the washington dc area uh, in the united states and uh, i was part of that group pioneering what this is what this will be what is this audio description and uh we've come quite a way since 1980. Uh, and uh, indeed now I have my own company, Audio Description Associates LLC, where I have a contract with the American Council of the Blind to um, work on their audio description project. And uh, my company focuses a great deal on speaking, on description training, uh, doing description for media and, and museums. So that's a, a thumbnail sketch.
1: Thank you, Joel. Uh, Frank, can we hear from you?
2: Oh, absolutely.
3: I just firstly wanted to apologize that I don't always sound like the love child of Bonnie Tyler and Rod Stewart. Um, I'm literally <laughs> I'm down with a rather stinking cold. Um, I'm Frank Lohman. I was born and raised in Germany and um, my background is musical theatre. And um, via musical theatre, I completely by accident uh, uh, landed uh, in um uh, audio, not or, not audio description, but um, um I landed in voiceovers uh, um, and dubbing, and so through that, through doing voiceovers, um, and being an, being a dubbing artist, I started directing, and because uh, at in Studios we produce um, audio descriptions, um, from writing to recording them, um. Uh, that's how I got into um, audio de- audio descriptions. Great, thank you, Frank and Rafael.
0: Uh, it's very nice to be here with all of you uh, for the first uh, podcast of the Access Committee and uh, talk a little bit my, about myself. I'm more than fifteen years in the Grupo Esteno. Grupo Esteno started doing, was the pioneer in closed caption here in Brazil, uh, in Chile too uh and then we started with auto description in 2006 more or less here. Uh, we did the first advertising with AD here in, in Brazil and then started with the companies uh, like broadcasters and streamings and uh, events even. So and I manage
1: the accessibility services for uh, those clients that we have in. That's great. thank you. Uh to all of you. It's also worth just noting that myself and Rafael are actually part of the Access Services Committee for the EGA. I've been a member for about two years, I think, and Rafael is now the head of that that committee. Uh, So the subject and the focus of this podcast was really to find out a little bit more about um, access services around the world from different territories. So we've got myself and Frank from the UK and Germany. We've got Rafael from Brazil and uh, Joel from the USA. So um, let's start with Rafael to tell us a little bit more about accessibility in Brazil, because obviously I'm very familiar with the UK. I'll just quickly say that in the UK, my speciality is obviously audio description, but the requirements in the UK as set out by the regulatory body Ofcom is 10% 10, uh, 10% for audio description annually, 5% for sign language, and between 80 and 100% for subtitling. And um, Brazil is a, an interesting territory to me because I don't know a lot about the market. So Rafael, why don't you um, enlighten us and just tell us what the current state is and how it's grown?
0: Sure. So uh, in Brazil, in 90, no, 97, in 2001, uh, we had the the first mandate here uh, for the broadcaster, which is uh, now, it, it began a little uh, less hours, of course, and then increased. So right now we have 24 seven for closed caption, mandating the broadcasters, auto description, uh, 20 hours per week uh, of auto description, and sign language, you have to have, should have like a 24 seven too, but uh, at the equipment, didn't got the option to uh, enable and disable. This mandate is quite stopping, you know. Uh, also, in the theatrical portion, we have today: if the movie goes to twenty screens or more, you must have closed caption, another description, and sign language. Uh, and uh, if you have a uh, money incentive for the government, you have to put, for example, if you uh, are recording a show. And you got the money from incentive from the government you must do the accessibility portion for play theaters you must uh, have if you have the this incentive to you must have one of the accessibilities
1: which is usually a sign language that they use that's really uh that's really encouraging it's a lot more than i expected and yeah what what do you um What do you see as the current interest and engagement and demand for particularly audio description and sign language in Brazil? And awareness even.
0: Yes. Uh, So it's funny because at the beginning, uh, we were trying to see how people understand the closed caption and you talk with people, nobody knows what it's about. And then uh, we started with with the same thing. Until today, it's uh, kind of hard uh, the people to understand what is auto description. Uh, even the uh, people with disability here, uh, sometimes you get, ah, what is auto description? But when you talk about a description, they understand, ah, this is something that my uh, brother do to, to me, you know, when we are watching the movie. So, and then it starts, but now the because of these mandates, uh, you have the description, all over the place. So in the on TV, on the play theaters, on the so everyone the the awareness increased a lot because of that, because of these mandates, you know. Uh so yeah, and for sign language it's uh it's more easy because it's uh it's an image. So everybody sees the signing the person signing different from other description that you have to select that and the, in the sign language you see the person every time you turn on the TV or, you know, it's there. So the people already knows what it's about. You know, it's easier.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Rafael. Very interesting. Joel, what are the current legal requirements or mandates in the USA for um, audio description particularly, but if you know anything about the other access services?
2: Sure. Well, you know, it's the, there, there's an irony here, I guess, uh, and an embarrassing one, perhaps. Uh, uh, having developed audio description here, really uh, first in the world back in the early 80s, we are way behind uh, the UK and Brazil, um, as I'm learning more about now. Thank you, Rafael. Um, as far as a mandate for description for broadcast television, there are other areas where we're, we're doing quite well, but broadcast television, uh, it, it really took until uh, about 2010 uh, when uh, a law was signed by President Obama, the Communications and Video Accessibility Act, and it mandated, are you ready, only four hours per week and only for nine broadcasters wow. and only in about 50, 40, 50 uh, regions in the United States. Uh, whoa, uh, That uh, now it's up to seven hours. Oh boy. Well, that still doesn't amount to 1% of all broadcasting in the United States because it's, it's a, a huge ongoing concern. There are many networks, there are many uh, broadcasters. Um, we're working on it. Um, with President Biden in the White House, we're hoping that we'll be able to p- pass a, a CBAA 2.0, um, Communications, Video, and Technology Act, CBTA, that will expand that percentage for broadcast television. Uh, captioning has been 100% for a number of years. So we're catching up there as well. Now, there are other areas that are, that are where audio description happens. For instance, it all began in performing arts. Uh, and it's probably known most to, to people, uh, between television and, um, and movies, uh, well, in performing arts and with movies and with museums, um, the, they come under the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, the notion that uh, the function of those entities, the, the physical access to those entities, should be available to all. Uh, that means... Obviously, ramps for people who use wheelchairs, but um, doesn't do much good for a blind person or a deaf person if they're in the movie theater and they can't hear the, the score, they can't see the images. So uh, that has resulted in, in a couple of challenges under the ADA uh, over the last 15 to 20 years or so, to the point where every commercial film that is released in the United States, just about every one, has an audio description track. And not only that, uh, streaming services, which have never been challenged really under the ADA, um, there there was some negotiation going on with Netflix maybe ten years ago, uh, and they they embraced it, and now Netflix produces and broadcasts description in a dozen languages or more, uh, as well, of course, English, um, for most of their productions, as well as Disney Plus, as well as the other streaming uh, services. Um, and, and in the same way, uh, the performing arts spaces and museums are, are liable for challenges as well under the ADA, but there isn't a specific law like the CV, C, CVAA. That applies to performing arts spaces or museums. Uh, but if a museum, uh, you know, if a blind person goes to a museum and wants access, they make a complaint to the Department of Justice. Oftentimes, that will result in that organization having to develop an audio-described tour. And the same with theater. Although theater, we began in theater, uh, and it, the the tradition based on a volunteer model was. Um, you know, maybe a describer would go to a performance two or three times, take notes, and then provide the description at one or two performances in a, what, six-week run. And that's the same for sign interpretation around here as well. Um, I don't think that's satisfactory. I think we need to find ways to make every performance accessible. Find ways so that a blind person can go to the box office and say, "I'd I'd like a ticket for the show tonight. Oh, I need the audio description. And they say, no problem, here's the headset, whatever, that kind of thing. So we've got a ways to go there, uh, but um, things are in the works to try and improve that. There's a recorded audio description available in certain Broadway houses, and I'm not sure that that quite fits the bill, a recorded track for live performance. And then there are technical issues. And of course, um, given the need to develop a script, um, the recording people Don't even make the the description available until three, four weeks into the run. So all previews are not accessible. Opening night is not accessible at all. There are ways to accomplish this. And uh, I speak on that uh, at various conferences uh, and hopefully encouraging theaters to adopt some of those other techniques.
1: Thanks, Joel. There's There's a couple of interesting points in what you said. I always commend the streaming platforms for the boom in access services, especially AD. I've seen it grown over the last few years and I think it's brilliant now it you know you talk to people about your job and they say oh what's that uh well they used to but now they say oh yeah I I accidentally stumbled on that <laughs> on Netflix or you know something right. like that so there's more awareness which is great and it's very interesting about the um, the the the, sm- the very small number of broadcast television with ad as well because but for us in the UK we we really run with it i mean uh, you know we're doing four hours a day minimum really on on many different channels and it might interest people to know that although the the maximum requirement for any broadcaster in the uk is 10 percent we've got channels several of them broadcasting annual output with ad between 50 60 and even 70 percent 77 percent was the highest percentage last year so that's that's very encouraging for us um Frank let's talk to you a little bit about the creative side of AD. I'm I'm a big fan of the creative side. I love voice casting. Yeah. I love matching um uh you know finding voiceovers who who match the tone of the content. And um, that that's something that I really enjoy about my job and you you're you're very much involved creatively. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that?
3: I'm pretty much all involved creatively. I um, because I don't write or I don't oversee AD AD writers. So I always in you know, a kind of between the guidelines, I trust them that the product I receive is correct. Now, AD casting is really, really interesting because I think what a lot of people may underestimate is how important the right voice is for an ID, for the right title. So for instance, if I have um, a documentary, um, I want to have a voice that is, that will tell me a story, you know, kind of, that will tell me a story and tell the story to these, to these images um, um, that will be described. So, someone who has a voice that is, you know, it's like storytelling in general, someone who has a voice that is interesting and nice to listen to um and then sometimes we have to go purely technical so so if if there are too many i mean not too many but if the um dialogue um is male heavy is male heavy i find it easier um to to cast a female voice for it um and then obviously also um it depends a little bit on um the subject but uh all in all you know kind of i think what I find most interesting is that um, people should really look at uh, audio description as a very integral part of storytelling. You know, kind of it's, and this is where often the problem comes in with AI is that um, a lot of, I've heard from many blind, um, I don't want to say viewers, but, you know, kind of listeners in that case. I've heard from many blind listeners who, who tell me that, we are being surrounded by synthetic voices everywhere so now we also have um, so now we also have a synthetic voice um, within you know, kind of when we're watching a film um, and I have to agree with them you know kind of um, because obviously what so look, when I sit in a session recording um, an audio description I have the option in you know, a kind of um, with the actor to uh, them on certain, you know, kind of, not without overdoing things, obviously, because we want to stay within the storytelling side of things, but um, to be, you know, kind of sensitive to the subject and to, you, you, you know, color their words according to what they see. Also, sometimes, uh, um, what I do is uh, holding people back, in you know, again, when when actors go over emotional and over, because again, we don't want to influence the um, emotion of, um, of the person um, watching the film at the time. So we don't want to do that either. So um, my job can go both ways, pretty much. Um, yeah, and that is pretty much, you know, um, we pick a Scottish voice for something that is said in Scotland, you know, kind of. We, we um, so there um, we pick the accent, uh, <laughs> and it's really for me. Again, uh, audio, audio description should be treated in exactly the same way as any other dialogue within the uh, um, within within the film. It should be taken as seriously as that, and there, that's where AI comes in, and my slight issues with it.
1: I, I, I agree with a lot of your points. I love the creative side of AD. I think it's really satisfying and rewarding when you listen to uh, such a product. And just for the expression and the engagement, um, it, you know, it, it's it's a yeah. really good part of the job. And storytelling in AD is it has always been a huge part for me. And we, we think it might be obvious, but I guess, you know, there are still some people maybe unconvinced. I'm sure we've got... Um, we've all got an opinion on AI voices or synthetic voices. So we'll go, we'll go round and get your opinions on those. Um, But since we're with Frank, why don't we stick with you and just say from the sounds of it, if this were to take off, it could affect your role and how you work in quite a big way. Absolutely.
3: And um, that's why, I I don't know. So yes, it would affect um, how, how I work. And if I work at all, on a title. Now, I think I want to go back to that blind gentleman who said to me when I asked him about uh, synthetic voicing within audio description. Who said to me, um, "When I sit down at my computer, it's a, it's a synthetic voice that talks back to me, uh, um, and I have to 100% agree that is an issue because what you cannot do, and I." Hopefully, you know, kind of, a machine will never ever be be able to do, is that touch of interpretation, you know, that human touch, you know, kind of, it, it is that famous human touch that could be um, that could be missing, and uh, it's a tricky one because I think we won't get around it. I think AI is coming. And I don't think there is much we can do about it, because I think behind audio description, one part may be that um, um, a company or a studio may be able to deliver um, a product quicker. Maybe that's the that's the maybe, but I think um, all in all, um, synthetic audio, uh, um, synthetic audio description uh, will greatly lower costs.
1: Yeah. Um Joel, if I'm if I'm not wrong, <laughs> last year or maybe the year before Amazon launched a whole bunch of stuff of AD with synthetic voices and but I believe that that's currently on pause as in using the synthetic voices. I think you were involved in that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Well, the American Council of the Blind has been involved with Amazon Mm. on an ongoing basis. Amazon uh, was proposing and and did indeed uh, use AI, synthetic voice text-to-speech, for their back catalog, if you will. They've said, no, no, we wouldn't do it with any original productions. And that makes me scratch my head a little bit. Um, They acknowledge that they want the human touch, as Frank says, uh, for original productions, but oh, that doesn't matter as much for an older film? I, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the human touch, an audio description voice talent in a way is, is, is working in synergy with the writer, looking at the writing, looking at what's on screen and adjusting with nuance, with subtlety, the voice so that it, ex- it, is, it is more expressive and gets the point across. I don't know an AI program that can consider something early in a film and understand that it's foreshadowing something later in the film, that's going to be reflected in the voice if, if it's voiced well by a human being. Um, and I, I would also say that, you know, in this country, we've really pushed this, the notion, and I certainly have, of nothing about us without us. People who are blind are some of the best audio editors in the world. People who are blind are some of the best voice talents for audio description that I've heard anywhere. Now, you know, in this country and around the world, uh, unemployment rate for people who are blind is around 70%. Now, we're talking about AI coming in and basically taking jobs from voice actors and from blind people. So the American Council of the Blind quite rightly passed a resolution saying, no, um, there's a place for AI and maybe for your computer, as Frank mentioned, or reading a text of some sort, uh, that kind of thing. But for drama, for comedy, for entertainment purposes... No, we'd rather not uh, have that. And uh, there really is a difference to be made. And um, depending on how things are produced, uh, sure, there could be some cost savings. I'm not entirely convinced uh, even of that, uh, because there are techniques and ways to combine uh, efforts in the production of description that, uh, that bring costs down. Not, I wouldn't want to bring them down too far, because <laughs> audio describers, the writers, the voice talents, they're professionals. You know, in in theater, oftentimes it's still their volunteers. Nothing about the quality there, that's fine. But sign interpreters get $300 per performance, and there are two of them. So we need to raise the level of professionalism for the writers, for the voice talents, um, and and we're getting there. Thanks, Joel. That's very interesting. Um, And I totally agree with
1: you that I don't think cost saving is necessarily uh, confirmed with with these uh, synthetic voices. I mean, I've got very little experience in it, but you know, it. I can speak from experience that my, you know, I you know, we, you know, we pay AD well, and the rate is not low. People are happy, and also as the emergence, you know, as the development of AI software. Um, increases so does the development of actual ad software which allows voiceovers to record from home that's what i've seen in the last couple of years so things are things are going up on that side as well and uh yeah i don't think it's um a foregone conclusion i think we know where uh, we're kind of all in agreement about this we'll come to half on a second but frank
3: had a quick point I just wanted to say something quickly about um, what Joel said. Um, in Germany, for instance, it is a very common practice that at the end of uh, an uh, ad writing process, um, the whole script uh, will be QC'd by a blind person who's being paid for it. That is, um, that is, for instance, one way of um, how. And in Germany, it's. I don't think it's. I don't think it's written into any. Uh, um, into any uh, specific requirements but it's common practice uh, um, to use someone who is blind to quality check the whole audio uh, audio description.
1: Yeah. Rafael, what's what's your feeling on the general use of machine software and this could be in any of the access services, uh, AD, subtitling or sign language and how do you see its development and its role in the current um brazilian market uh
0: if you if you look for example for a uh, closed caption it's uh it helps of course but always you need the human uh, after all uh to qc yeah. so basically when you have a show uh normally before, we use used report you are instead uh but when it's for example only one voice it's easier uh for this the ai to catch uh, write the transcription basically. So we use it, it could be very helpful on that area. And then afterwards, we have to the QC for AD. Uh, what I see it's like uh, some companies like pushing for AI sometimes saying exactly what Joe uh, said it that it's ah, for library shows, library shows, we can use it uh, AI, but for our main. Titles we're gonna use human, and I see this happening. Uh, for example, in Brazil, I see something. The broadcasters always wants to lower the costs here in Brazil, especially for because it's a mandate. So they say, "Oh, the cheaper the better." Basically, so some of them are asking, "Do AI or otherwise, we're gonna uh, do it uh, inside?" So it's it's a fight, but of course. Uh, as a company, what we try to do, it's like uh, Frank said, we have like a blind consultant to do the QC afterwards. So it's, and it's really helpful because of course, they are the final uh, users of that. Uh, but uh, I see some companies uh, pushing for AI to happen. And I see, I, I mean, I see, a, a, I obviously can hear the difference between them, but I see uh, they are getting better and better. But the, that human touch—it's—I don't know, say it's, I don't like to say impossible. But I think it's very hard to achieve. Uh, even in the system, you can tweak some things, but it's—it's it's different. It's still a machine. You can uh, sense that it's a machine. You know, even the, the blind people that that are used to uh, use this uh, as on a uh daily basis,
1: it's easy for them to catch that. Yeah, I I totally agree. I, I think uh, no matter how, I just feel in my mind, no matter how good a machine is, it's, you know, it's not human and it's never going to be. And I think yeah. that someone can tell the difference. And maybe, maybe they, are, you know, maybe these companies are doing it for cost saving. I do think there is a responsibility on all of us as our positions that we have in our companies to, you know have open conversations with clients and and tell them you know this is why it's important to use actual people these are these are the many numerous benefits of using it um and you know the creative end product can just be so much uh, so much more rewarding and better to listen to as well at the end of the day if a blind viewer has sat down to watch a movie with with AD you know they want to be entertained and maybe there's a limit to the entertainment that they can get from machine. They want to be entertained just like a sighted viewer. So there are many different things. And I think, um, it, you know, we can, we should continue to have these conversations, talking to companies and our clients to, you know, educate them, really, because I, I think there is a little bit that education needs to continue. There is a, a, a lack of that, really, um, in all yeah. markets, not just with clients, but, you know, with people generally knowing about ad as well um any any final thoughts before we close the podcast um maybe uh, how you see the rest of this year going the next five years uh, the current state and future state of your company uh joel
2: well uh, you know i i'm uh, not a luddite um i appreciate technological advances and as a matter of fact for uh, movies and for Television broadcasts at home, I think the future of audio description delivery, transmission, uh, rests uh, in your hand, in that little machine in your pocket, your smartphone, uh, which is, uh, the smartphones are ubiquitous now, um, maybe not 100%, but there are apps available in about six countries now. In the United States, it's called Spectrum Access. You download the app, and then you download to the app. The audio description track of a film what the app does is it basically listens to the audio coming from your television computer in the movie theater and it syncs the audio description seamlessly uh it really does work it's kind of amazing still i'm still amazed when i listen to it um the problem is in the united states maybe three four five hundred films are available that way through spectrum access uh i think some other countries have a uh, movie reading a uh, number of other uh apps like that have had a bit more success i think that's the future for audio description delivery uh speaking of technical pr- procedures and techniques and processes uh, i think that's coming
1: great thanks joel and any more final thoughts Hafael? Yeah, so like Joe said,
0: uh, actually we have an app here we developed because as is a mandate here in Brazil for the theatrical. So uh, we did the app called Load here in Brazil. So it it, it works exactly uh, from uh, like Spectrum. It hears uh, samples of the audio and synchronizes. So as for today, we have more than thirty movies there on the app that are working on the theatrical. So the person goes with the the user go with the uh her cell phone his cell phone on the, the uh, theater and he already downloaded the file for uh, ad uh, sign language or closed caption and then it syncs and it syncs automatically so the person in the uh, theater can hear with the audio description with their phone so this is happening right now and we are trying to say to other uh, like streaming services too uh, for sign language for like it's It's not easy to put sign language on the streaming today. That's some difficult. So there's the future for the technological portion of it. And uh, I mean, I think AI, it's getting better. But like I said, I I don't know for uh, voice if it's going to get there. Uh, But yeah, some clients are pushing. But I'm seeing a lot of demand for AD increasing so much here in Brazil, I think in the US too. Uh, especially for this streaming services. And as they are doing here in Brazil, at least without mandate, they should care about the quality because you know it's not a mandate. You, you are doing because you want more uh, clients, more users, you know? So yeah, I think it will
3: increase more and more. Thanks, Rafael. And Frank? It's pretty much, um, you know, the, the main thing I wanted to say is that um, I hope that in the near and kind of further future, that more countries will jump on the same bandwagon as the UK has and go far and beyond the percentage they have to and go far and beyond um, over that. That's kind of what I hope for the near, def- definitely for the near future. Something I think
1: about the future of uh, AD in my experiences, I see languages being added to AD, which is very encouraging. So yes. far over my last uh, nine and a half years between IUNO you know, and SDI Media, I've managed projects in 11 languages for AD, and this year we, we're we adding at least a couple more to that. So that, that's very encouraging to, to further widen the reach and the awareness of AD.
2: And um, Shaq, if I may, uh, that app that uh, talking about in, in Brazil, in the United States, can be used to transmit dubs so that um, a per- grandma doesn't wanna to go to the movies with the family because well, she doesn't speak English so well. Well, she can go use the app and hear the movie in Spanish. It can be done th- as well as the captions and even sign language.
1: That's great, brilliant. Well, we could probably talk for longer, but we have to wrap <laughs> up there. So I'm gonna thank my guests. Thank you very much to Dr. Joel Snyder, PhD from Audio Description Associates, LLC. Frank Lohman, Adrenaline Studios UK, and Rafael Paralitore from Grupo Sterno Brazil. Thank you very much to all of you. My name is Shaq. Thank you to the audience uh, for listening to our first ever Access Services podcast. You can download this podcast from Spotify, Amazon and Apple and all good podcast providers. And uh, please get in touch with us. Find out more about the EGA and give us some feedback for our podcast. You can visit egassociation.org egassociation.org there'll be more podcasts from us and the access services committee and we look forward to seeing you then thank you very much everyone
0: join us next time when we share more stories about elevating the art and science of global storytelling